Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. And I am so excited about today's interview because we are talking about the vital and necessary skill of women using their voice, not only in their personal lives, not only in the workplace, not only in leadership, but also how their voice changes the world. And I'm thrilled to welcome Belinda Clemenson to the podcast today to talk about this topic which is the focus of her new book called Women, Leadership and Saving the World. Her book is a bold call to action for gender equality in leadership and decision making and it really helps us to understand that we as women are exhausted and frustrated with our self-confidence continually challenged because we are operating in a world, especially a business world, that was designed by men for men. Belinda co-created Paddle to a Cure in 2000, which was a woman-led series of sea kayaking expeditions for people living with breast cancer. And it was these expeditions that taught her there are different ways to build and lead organisations and that women working together do things differently. She then founded the Women's Leadership Intensive, which is an organisation on a mission to inspire, empower, support and equip women to lead the change the world needs. Her book, which I had the privilege to read, is powerful and fascinating and confirms that women leaders are crucial for us to improve the world and address the current global challenges that we face. It's going to be an awesome conversation. So Belinda, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here today. Great. And I'm thrilled for your, like your book was fascinating, as I said, and and full of all these sort of little aha moments of, oh, of course, that's why it doesn't work and work-life balance, which a few things we're going to talk about today. So have you had a great response from the book? Really great launch. We just recorded the audiobook last week. So that was also fun and great. exciting to be in studio. And so that'll be our next launch. Probably within the month, we'll have that out to folks. Yeah, great. Okay. So to start, let's, we're going to get into all the nitty gritty bits of the book, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your career to start with. So I've been doing leadership development work pretty much my whole career with organizations and corporations. And, and was I've always loved my job. I love my work. Yeah. And about seven or eight years ago, though, I started to have a crisis of consciousness where I was realizing that I was helping people lead things that I wasn't sure I believed in. Right. I was essentially making capitalism more efficient and effective, and I wasn't sure that <laughs> capitalism was the model that I really wanted to support with my life's work. Right. Yes, got it. So, and I also couldn't unsee sort of the inequities that I saw in pretty much every organization that I went into. You know, a lot of those inequities, gender, I can see everywhere because yes. it's it's definitely a lens that I look at the world through, but other inequalities and inequities as well. And so at that point, I really had to, to stop and think. And I was also pushing 50, which yeah. was a, a big turning point in my life. Yes. As it is for many. Yes. 
And so I really had to stop and think, you know, if I only have, you know, whatever, 20 years left in my career, 15 years, whatever it's going to be, what do I really want to do with that time? What difference do I really want to make? And am I making it now? And the answer at that time was no, I'm not. I'm just reinforcing the systems that I'm not sure I want to be in support of. And so it took me several years to figure out, okay, if not that, then what? And I had to keep working and paying the bills and, you know, all the things that we do. And eventually came around to a reconnection to a passion of mine, which is supporting women in leadership and dove back into the research to kind of understand, okay, what's changed in the last, you know, 10, 15 years that I've been focused on whatever organizational development And the realization I had was not a whole heck of a lot's changed. Yes. We're still fighting the same battles. We're still pushing the same rocks up the hill. Yeah. And that just did not sit right with me. And and also there's just so much research now about the positive impact that women make when we lead and when we participate at scale. And so to ignore that research just didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. So those things combined sort of pushed me into this domain of really focusing on developing women leaders and developing women leaders who will lead change. Yes. That's yeah. what we need. The boldness of stuff has to change, not falling into the way it already is and following along. It's like being courageous enough to try and do it differently in a world that's probably not accepting that at this point. <laughs> well, it's a double, it, it's, it's yet another layer of work that we have to do, yeah. right? I mean, if we even get to those leadership roles, which we don't at yes. scale, we don't get paid as much. And then we have yes. to do this extra layer of work, which is now we need to be change agents yes. in a world that already doesn't fully accept us and definitely doesn't like it when we now want to disrupt things further. Well, we've got a good road ahead of us. There we go. But we're going to talk about a few things today. But as this is the Confidence Podcast, we ask all our guests two questions to start with. And then at the end of the year, we put a fabulous compilation of the year's answers together, which is a really, it's really wonderful to listen to. But what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? I think it it really means knowing who you are Mm. and appreciating who you are. So this is like really embracing and enjoying our humanness and our imperfection yeah. as opposed to just sort of accepting ourselves. Like I don't want to just accept myself and I don't want other women to just accept themselves either. I want us to love it, you know, embrace it, enjoy it, have fun with it, be able to laugh at it when we don't get it right. And just know that there, there is so much worthiness in us. Yes. That it doesn't matter. We don't have to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. I love that distinction. I haven't sort of, I've never sort of put that together before because we always talk about accepting this, accepting that, but it's it's like almost a accept it and try to forget about it almost yes. rather than, well, no, I am imperfect and it's it's great and I love it and I'm bringing that to the forefront. Yeah, I love that. And that is true confidence, right? It's just being in that place of, you know, we are just human and it's this is the way it rolls being human and this is the game. So (laughs) please step up. (laughs) And when are you the most confident version of yourself? I am the most confident version of myself when I am doing work that matters to me. So I love doing this. Yeah. You know, I've always been a person who fully engages in my work and gives my whole self to it. So when I'm doing something that matters, I feel very confident 
And the other place I think I feel really confident for me personally is in the wilderness. And oh, that's, that's just a, a happy place for me. Yeah. It's a place that feels like home. Yeah. Great. Okay. I love that. All right. So let's talk about the book and obviously the, some of the questions I've got around that to really get to the nitty gritty. So I'm going to read you a little bit from your book to lead into this question because I loved when I read this paragraph, it was a little bit of one of those, oh, I get it now. Right. So I really wanted to be able to read that out to our listeners. So in the book, you say, ever feel like you can't quite make work work with your life? Well, it's not you. It's because the workplace wasn't built by or for you. Work was built for a reality that most of us no longer live. It was built for households with an unpaid in-house domestic labour force. It was powered by women supporting men. And rather than change the workplace to fit the changing world, we've persisted in expecting the workforce to fit the old, outdated standards and expectations of workplaces. Women have tied ourselves in knots in order to make it work. We've pumped breast milk in bathroom stalls and in our cars so that we can feed our babies. We've raced from daycare drop-off to make it to meetings on time. We've gotten up at 5am to catch up on emails and stayed up until midnight cleaning the kitchen. We've been hailed as multitasking superwomen who can somehow be star performers at work while making mental grocery lists (laughs) and looking after our ageing parents. And it's killing us. We are exhausted. We are shattered. And I loved, I I read that because I have been driving home in the car recording saying, hey, Suri, write on my shopping list that I need this, that, like, it is, I'm doing shopping lists and trying to pick up children to drop to their soccer game, to do things, to race home and do something. It's ridiculous. And I think I have pumped breast milk in a bathroom store, like, we have embraced this, oh my God, we are multitasking superhuman, superwomen. Hey, how great are we? Look at us. Whereas actually we should be almost appalled that this is the situation we have sort of found ourselves in. And I love it because, you know, it's crazy that we're all trying to manage this elusive, super elusive work-life balance. I work with so many clients around this topic like it's something that we individually can control. (laughs) But as you say, we're just trying to work inside a world that's just not built for us. So what can women do to help ourselves exist in this world that continues to be a challenge in this way? Yeah, it's such an important question because, I mean, the first thing is exactly what you just said, which is this recognition that this is not an individual problem. No. So if you have not found work-life balance yeah. <laughs> and you've been thinking that's because you're not adequate, you can let yourself off the hook for that yes. because for most of us, it's simply impossible, right? It's just simply impossible to do all the things and somehow then feel balanced about it. That's not happening. No, no, no. So recognize it as systemic yeah. is the first thing. And, and also then recognize that that means that you can individually change all you like but if the system doesn't change, then it's it's really hard for you to find your way in it. And it's not going to be any different for the next woman or the next woman or That's your daughter right. or your granddaughter. It's not workable. And 
you know, we know that globally women still do two and a half times more domestic and unpaid caregiving Mm -hmm. uh, labor than men do, which is a big part of the problem. So, you know, Gloria Steinem said that women won't be equal outside the house until men are equal in it. Yes. And I, I think that's a part of the equation here is that until we have equal division of labor, you know, that in the domestic space, right, in our households, in terms of caregiving responsibilities, the mental load of figuring out what we're having for dinner every day, you know, whatever that that work is, a lot of it is still to this day quite invisible. It happens behind closed doors, or we do it without ever saying anything about it. Yes, yeah. And so it persists, right? This imbalance persists. And I think we have to start addressing this in our households and in our families, so that at least we have a little bit more mental space and a little bit perhaps more time and energy to tackle some of the other things in our lives, right? Whether that's to dedicate ourselves to leading at work or whatever else it might be. It's almost like a catch-22 because sort of like we do have to focus on that in our homes and those changes, but the workplace has to sort of change at the same time to allow men to be able to take on more domestic duties and pick up the kids from soccer or what, because it's sort of like we can't sort of try to demand that or make that changes in our household while the workplace is still saying, no, you can't leave at this time or you like, we need to get them both going sort of at the same, at the same time. And that's probably where the challenges come in because it's just the workplaces aren't helping men be able to take on those responsibilities. Well, and and this is it. Like the workplace isn't even built for the men of today for the most part, right? Who do want to spend more time with their families or want to take a parental leave or want to participate in picking up their kids from daycare or looking after their aging parents. And so the idea that, you know, you can have this firm separation and that work is, doesn't ever sort of overlap into the rest of our lives and vice versa It's from the 1950s or something. And it's even in the 1950s, it wasn't true. It was only true for middle-class white families, nuclear families, right? And of course, that's not the whole world. No. So the whole thing is based on a a workforce that doesn't really exist. Yeah. It certainly doesn't work for women, but there's a lot of men that it doesn't work for either. No, no, because they want, I know my husband, he wants more participation. He'd love to be able to pick up the kids from so or you know COVID did change that for especially for our family because he he could never work from home that was never going to be the option and obviously then we had to right and all of a sudden he could be the kids you know I had younger kids at the time like he could be the kids soccer coach because he could still finish work at five or six and make it down to the oval without the you know the one hour or 45 minute commute to and from an office so but it had to be those sort of drastic changes which started to change that balance because he does want to be more involved. But before, you know, we are sort of going back into the same old routines that we were. Yeah. And you're right. It's not satisfying for him. He wants to be more involved, but the workplace still hasn't changed enough for that to allow that to happen. And I mean, it's great for for corporations, it's great for capitalism, right? To have everybody believe that they need to dedicate that much of their life, their energy, their time 
to the job mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it creates amazing uh, results and profits and, yeah. you know, and I think that's even if we go a layer deeper than what has to change in the workplace is what is to change in some of our social values. Yes. We've said that that profit is more important than anything else, really yes. by our actions. That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. And we we're willing to uh, compromise the environment. We're willing to yep. compromise our own families we're willing to compromise next generations because we're not, you know, we're not there with our kids. Yeah. That's the cost. Yeah. It's a huge cost. It it's is. a huge cost. I had a client this week, a new a new client that came through and she was sort of in the reverse of, of this situation. She, she was working ridiculous amounts of hours all from home, but she'd get up at, you know, 5am, like you were saying, do emails, you know, she has older children and then she'd work all day and then she'd cook dinner and then she'd get back and work till midnight. And it was actually, it's her husband sort of saying, this is not okay anymore. Like, but we were talking about, and just what you're saying about like the capitalism, that the job is not going to say to her, hey, I can see you were sending emails at 11 o'clock last night. We need to talk and get you some help or something. She had to take this responsibility on herself because the more she does, the more they accept. And actually, they're sort of, they're not even looking at her the time she sends her emails because they're probably too busy doing their own stuff. But I sort of said that, like we went through what it's costing her she wants to do some charity work and and support people, you know, young people with mental health. And she she's like, I can't find time to do that. And I was like, and then you're going to die and nobody is going to care that you sent that email at 11 o'clock. It's like your life is being given to them. And even if you do die, they'll just replace you with somebody. <laughs> like it's just, we had to sort of start getting her really present to what the cost is and she's the only one that's actually going to be able to make that change. The corporation is not going to voluntarily turn up to her house and turn the computer off at 5.30. Like it's just, it's not built that way, you know. The boundaries will have to come from us. And I think yeah. it's, you know, that's going to be hard work and there'll be pushback, but okay, pushback's fine. Yeah. And then I think the other really important thing you said is that in her situation, she wants to do something. She wants yes. to do some charity work and support youth mental health and she, she doesn't have the time to do it. And I think that's a huge loss for most of us as, as yeah. human beings is that we care about the youth. We yes. care about our communities. We care about our planet. And we are so busy on yes. this treadmill of work, work, work that we don't spend our time and energy and talent and passion doing the work of making the world better. Yeah. We spend it on delivering shareholder returns to people who already have more wealth than they need. And potentially making ourselves sick in the meantime. She was so stressed and so she's exhausted. She is literally and she yes. she's on the treadmill and she sort of forgot she was on a treadmill and she doesn't know how to get off. But it's getting present. It was sort of getting present to what this is costing her now to start finding the exit off the treadmill. And we don't bring That's that right. to the forefront because we're probably too busy to think about it, <laughs> to be honest. Well, and and the truth is we get a lot of gold stars for being on the treadmill yes. and working so hard. Yes. And when we step off, we don't get the gold stars. We get people questioning our decisions and saying, are you sure? Is yes. that the right thing to do? Yeah. And off you go on the road less traveled thinking it's romantic and wonderful. But in fact, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Yes. 
there's a lot of resistance potentially there. There's a lot of people who don't get your decision. So it does take back to the theme of confidence. Like it does take confidence and a real sense of self to say, I'm going to choose something that is not conforming to what the world of work is, is telling me I need to do or need to be. Yeah. Awesome. Now, chapter eight focuses on finding our purpose and ensuring we are aligned to our values. So why is that so important to women and especially to women leaders? I I think it's back to that story you were telling about wanting to do something and not having time to do Mm. it. I think if we are going to solve some of the most pressing challenges we face, Mm. you know, as communities, societies and globally, we are going to have to really connect to the kind of world that we actually want to have, right? What is the future we actually want? And then we're also going to have to recognize that there is no somebody else out there who's going to make that happen. If we are going to create that future, we will have to do it. Yes. Yeah. And the more we can connect into our values, what truly matters, you know, for your client, maybe what truly Mm. matters to her is youth mental health. Yeah. And then how do we make decisions accordingly so that more and more of our actions and behaviors can be aligned with those values and actually take us and our energy and our work in the direction that we want to go? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's where the fulfillment of life comes, not from even getting the gold stars at the corporate job. Like you get a very small fulfillment, but in the back of your mind, you know that there's other things that you want to to really do. And it's nice that you get the appreciation that you work till whatever, or that you got that project in on time and under budget and all the rest of it. And you feel good for a little while, but it's not, it's not like when you're aligned to something that is just truly making a difference and truly that you choose to dedicate your life to. That's a whole different level of gold stars that I think until you jump yes. into that, you can't feel. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think the gold stars from doing what you're, you know, supposed to do and Mm -hmm. and what people have have told you to do can start to feel really hollow. And then you're just chasing the next one and you're wondering what it's all for. Yeah, that's right. Now, throughout the book, you talk about women using their voices, but how we are often not heard or even discouraged from using them so that we don't rock the boat or that we, you know, are seen to play nice. So you talk about how this is how we inherently keep ourselves and others safe, that keeping quiet is one way we protect our physical safety. So how do we as women start using our voices more, but also maintain our safety? Yeah, it's such an important question because it it would be easy to say, well, we should all just stand up and say exactly what we think all the time, but there's going to be backlash there. And and, and women who do that experience it, right? I mean, social media is a great example or women in politics is a great example. And it's nasty. It's nasty. It's bullying. It's life-threatening at some points. And yet we need those women or we need to be those women in all areas. Exactly. And so, you know, one of the things that I always say is, first of all, we as women could be better allies, each one of us, like every day, right, could be better allies to the women who are out there using their voice and kind of putting themselves on that front line and and potentially suffering as a result of it. So how can we better support those women? How can we not leave them kind of hanging out there doing that work on their own? 
And then the other thing is we also need allies ourselves because Mm -hmm. if we are going to start speaking out more and using our voices more, knowing that we might get some pushback or we might get something, some backlash happening, we also need to have a core women in our workplace who, when you challenge something at work, they back you up, like they verbally, physically back you up on what you're saying, or whether it's a place that is safe where you can go afterwards to debrief your experiences and say, Hey, I challenged something today and it was really hard and I'm questioning myself and I need to debrief it so that I can make sense of it. So I can go back again tomorrow and stay firm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I worked with a company uh, last year. uh, I was doing a, a talk for women about confidence and all those sorts of things, but it was really interesting. They had men become and they called them allies, they had men that were the allies for the women in the organisation. So when they went to meetings and they they were the only woman, the woman knew that there were men allies in that team, that they would do just that, allow them, help them to speak up and be that support because often we as women obviously be allies and support women but if we're in a meeting room where there's only other men there, yes, we need the women to help us behind before we get there. But having allies actually in the meeting room too that are men is also vital. And I thought that was a really great way that they started changing the language in their organisation. And they had men come to the the presentation for the women so that they could hear what we're talking about and where the challenges are and what we find you know, difficult so that they could actually get that perspective as well. So I think that's such a vital point for both women and men to be allies for women who are using their voices and speaking up. Absolutely. And that that kind of strategy is brilliant and it's so helpful. And thankfully, we have seen a real increase in the last few months about requests from organizations who want to dig into allyship. What does it mean to be an ally? What does it look like? How do you do it? And so I do think there's finally more understanding of how yeah. important it is yes, and more appetite to, to, to dig in and do the work. Yeah. And I think that's what helps increase the safety that you feel, because if you feel like you're in, in you're going to challenge an idea or what have you, and there are people around you that you won't get abused or shot down or, you know, once that becomes totally unacceptable, then our sense of safety to be able to speak up increases. But, you know, we need to shift that balance and have men and women on our, on our, on our team to actually outlaw any of that so that that, that sort of situation doesn't happen because it, it is scary and it is challenging, but we won't change the world without it. This is where your book is so fabulous about it's, yes, we need to speak up for a lot of reasons, but we need to do it to change the world. And that's our core value for the women that are, you know, wanting to read something like your book. Yeah. I mean, the the challenge is like we're at crisis level with some of these things. Yes. And, and we need to, sometimes it's easier for us as women too, I think, if we have a reason to speak that's beyond ourselves. So yeah. maybe it's speaking up on behalf of other people. Maybe yes. it's speaking up on behalf of your community or your climate. I would say just connect with whatever whatever is motivating and compelling for you as the reason why you're going to tap into your voice yeah. to try to speak for these changes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I loved the conversation you have in the book about saying yes. 
about the power of saying yes, even when you don't know how something is going to go or how to make it happen. Saying yes to the whisper inside ourselves and to the brave and bold ideas of the people around us. Why is it so important that we say yes more often? And I found this fascinating because I talked to so many women about saying no, because I get, you know, a lot of my clients are the people pleasers that have said yes to everything and then they can't say no. But then the distinction for that is that they're saying yes to things that they don't really want to say yes to. So it's trying to say no to the things that they don't want to say yes to because that gives them space, like my client, to say yes to really dedicating herself to things that really are important. So anyway, I found that as a really interesting thing. But yes, saying yes more. This is exactly it. So I'm not saying saying yes to more tasks or more responsibilities or more caregiving or any of that kind of stuff. It's can you actually look inside and figure out what do I really want to say yes Yes. to? Yes. Right. And then the yes requires courage because when we're going to do something that matters to us, that's when we feel, you know, that fear rising because, you know, who am I to do this? Or maybe I'm, maybe I don't have what it takes, or maybe somebody else should be taking this on. Maybe I'm not smart enough. You know, all of those doubts that rise up in our minds And so it's, can we come into a place of knowing ourselves enough to know what do I really want to say yes to in this world? Yeah. And again, I come back to like that community of support who help us work through the, all the imposter syndrome stuff and the self-doubt stuff and, and bring us back just to, into a place of just, just quiet confidence and knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I love the confidence topic because Anything you're going to do, there's always uncertainty. There's always, you never, you know, we don't have crystal balls. We never know how it's all going to turn out. But there's a confidence in the trust in ourselves that we will work it out. And that's what I sort of say to clients, that the ultimate level of confidence that I want you to have is not that you are going to know how everything goes and it's that you know, you believe enough in yourself that you will handle anything that comes your way. Because stuff comes your way. Right? <laughs> Uncertainty in things, it brings it brings challenges when, especially when you're going after things that you want or that are changing the world and doing things differently. But, you know, that level of confidence to say yes anyway and push through knowing that you'll work it out is just that's the key. That is just the key. For that, me. That's the key, right? It's the trusting your own resourcefulness to be able to deal with it, to be able to solve it, to be able to keep going. Yeah. One one frame that I like a lot is the word adventure, because one definition of adventure is that it's a journey with an uncertain outcome. Yes. And so if we could embrace a little adventure, right, of saying, okay, I'm going to say yes. And even though it's uncertain, you know, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to take my resourcefulness forward and I'm going to try. And this is the beauty. I think it makes life so rich yeah. is that when we engage in that way, then we're not trying to control every experience, right? We're putting ourselves somewhere where we have that kind of confidence you're talking about to trust ourselves and say, 
okay, let's see what happens. I love that. I do a lot of work with clients about switching words around because words are so powerful and it really, you know, it speaks to where you are. And I've never looked at the word adventure like that because it's always the journey which has been used too much and, you know. But even when things are a challenge, even to swap that out with the word adventure just changes the whole context, right? It's fabulous. So I'm going to absolutely take that one on and use that because adventure is such a, it's got excitement in it almost. Like it's a really, it's a word that deems something new and exciting and fresh and rich and rather than a challenge, it has a bit of negativity to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I take people from this is the problem to the word this is the challenge. Now they're going to be on this is the adventure. So we're we're, we're changing. And my last question, which I'm dying to ask you, is how do you, as a female thought leader, how do you maintain your levels of confidence so that you can stand up and raise your voice and be heard? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think being in my fifties really helps because I've got a life, you know, a lifetime of experience that helps me know I got this, I can do this. I belong here. That being said, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have like every other human being, if I didn't have my moments where, you know, my confidence crashes or I have a vulnerability hangover after doing something that put me out of my comfort zone. (laughs) You know, all of those things still happen. And it's just, now it's just being able to say, okay, I know what this is. Yes. Uh, I know this feeling. That's part of it. I'm backpedaling because I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, that's, that's not the way to go here. Let's, let's keep going forward. Yeah. I think the other piece too, is just, I have, I have fabulous support around me. And I think, I think that's another thing we need to do as women is just, we've talked about this already. Just choose well. Yes. Choose well. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. We talk about that all the time because it can make or break your decisions, your life. It could, who you have around you really can and the, and the amount of support that they can give you can really make or break you moving forward and creating the life that you want. So we absolutely agree. And, you know, our whole business is about talking to women to say, yes, I'm a confident woman and yes, I have days where my confidence is has disappeared. It's not about getting confident or being a confident woman and then that's it for life. It's about those management times to go, oh, okay, I know what yeah. this feeling is. This is because I'm really stepping outside my comfort zone a lot and I'm feeling it all. And it's making that normal that if you're feeling that or if your confidence has dropped, that's okay. But now what are you going to do? It's not waiting for it to magically come back. You've got to put some work in. You've got to put the energy into turning that confidence around and getting yourself back on track. It's not going to do it just all by itself naturally. You have to put the effort in. But feeling low in confidence or feeling scared or vulnerable when you're outside your comfort zone is absolutely what you're supposed to be feeling. That's right. That's the human experience as we've been talking about. Fabulous. All right. So we end every, um, every episode with our Rise Women Power questions. So Belinda, what do you wish every woman knew? I wish every woman knew that her leadership matters, that the world needs you. Yeah. You matter, you make a difference, and you don't have to be brilliant or special or perfect to make that difference. You just have to care and you have to you have to take some action. 
Absolutely. And whether that's leadership in your family, in your community, like at, at any level, it's not even just organisations, it's across the board. Leadership in our schools, leadership in our parenting, everything. Everything. And what is your superpower? I think I am the anti-multitasker. I cannot <laughs> multitask. I never have been able to. I can do one thing at a time. And when I'm doing it, I am fully present. Great. And there was a time I would have beaten myself up for that. But now I'm like, no, that is my superpower. I I am doing one thing and it's taking all of me in that moment. Great. I love that. That is very good. Now we have a whole shoe thing going on. So we talk about heels or flats as, you know, what do you wear when you want to be most confident? But over the years, this is our third year of of the podcast, we've had all sorts of things. We've had snow boots, Wellington boots, barefoot, flip-flops. But what do you feel most confident in? I'm a barefoot person myself, but... My my philosophy on footwear is something you can march in, yes. something you can run in, and something you can kick butt in. So, oh, good. you know, like whatever makes you feel that way, whatever makes you feel physically yeah. competent, confident, and powerful. Yeah. That's the deal. I love that you have a philosophy in footwear. We're going to have to... <laughs> I have to change my question to what is your philosophy of footwear? Oh, I love that. Uh, Now, your favorite quote or a rule that you live by? There's a great quote by Elizabeth Lesser who wrote a book called Cassandra Speaks, which I highly recommend. And her quote is, do no harm and take no crap. Only she doesn't say crap. Yeah, that's but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, yes. Do no harm and take no crap. So it's not one or the other. Yeah. It's both. Both. Like do both. I love that. I love that. Uh, who inspires you and why? Um, right now, I've been following the work of Sarah Rayo and Regina Jackson, and they are two um, women of color in the U.S., and they wrote a book called White Women everything you already know about your own racism and how to do better. Wow. It's an incredibly confronting, challenging book. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And I think what inspires me so much about these women is that their real mission is calling all of us women to come together and be allies to one another in a much stronger way than we have been. And so it's just challenging this notion that there are different ways for us to come together and we haven't been doing enough of it. So yes. it's, it's pretty powerful work, but they don't pull any punches. Yeah. So you yeah. got to be ready. You got to be ready. <laughs> you got to be ready. Yeah. I love that. Okay. But again, women who are really using their voice to be confrontational and change the world because we need to change the world. And these are the very uncomfortable conversations or topics that we need people to discuss. That's right. They're getting all the backlash, right? Of like course. they're they're yeah. getting yeah. they're getting a lot back. So yeah, just to be in support of that and to be open to that message and that and to be challenged in that way, yeah. which which we need to be, right? All of yeah. us need to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would. I would grow my business in a like big way, big platform way, yep. but I would do that without working harder. 
Ah, great. Yes. Just, you know, I wouldn't do it in the way of like, oh, I'm just going to work more hours yeah, and put yeah. more energy and more time, right? Like yeah. it would be like, no, I want to grow, but I also want to, yeah, take care of myself and live my life. Yes. I want to live. <laughs> yes, great. I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been, and I knew it was going to be because I read your book and was like, wow, this is going to be a really fabulous conversation. And I wish you all the luck with the book because it is powerful. It has got some wake-up calls and it is a conversation that we need to start having because women are still, as we say, still trying to make their work workable in an environment that's not workable and feeling like it's them. We need to stop doing that and that's really the first place for us to, to have the wake-up call going, it's not you. There is a major fault here that we as we collectively as as women and men, we collectively need to change the way workplaces are built and structured and we all need to do that together. It's not because you're failing at motherhood, at corporate life, at whatever. I love that your book takes away that women are failing individually at something and stepping into let's change the problem together so it has been a powerful conversation I know our listeners are going to get so much out of it and I really really thank you for spending your time with us today thank you so much for having me I've really loved this conversation and thank you to everyone for listening today and remember there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be so please get in touch with us or visit risewomen.com We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal by getting our programs and resources and podcasts out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now.